Hey, hey, welcome. This is Jeff MacArthur's show, but you will not hear Jeff MacArthur. You'll, you'll hear talk of him perhaps over the next two hours, but you will not hear him. He is back tomorrow. My name is Greg Brady. I was in for Alan Carter yesterday, uh, and the, and I've gone from one hour to two hours. It's tw- you know it's twice the work. No one told me, uh, and I'm very happy to have uh, across from me uh, until three o'clock today, or until he just says I I give throw the towel in. It's Rocky Four. Let's let's try and save Apollo Creed's life. Uh, Mike Drolet from Global News as well is here. That's great to have you on the on the talk side on the radio side. Do you remember what this was like? There's no makeup. No There's makeup. no bright lights. And there's no lock on the door, so if I want to run off, I can just run off. I thought I was a little worried there for a second. You can't curse and then have it re-edited later. <laughs> We'd have to dump it. Like, there's none of this Ron Burgundy telling San Diego to go what to do. You won't be able to get away with that. It's not, it's, but it's live. These are lessons learned, and uh, and hopefully I've learned those in the past. So yeah. there's not going to be any swearing, no uh no, we have no, no beep button. We have no delay There's nothing. here. We're in delay. We are in delay, aren't we? 60 yeah, right? seconds. 60? 60? 16. 16. Oh, God. Okay. What's wrong with seven? Don Cherry had seven, and everything went great. Seven seconds not, for Don Cherry? Was it seven seconds? It was seven seconds. Now, you you noted we were just talking about it because it was in the newscast that Danny just did that uh, he's got a podcast he put out today. Now, this is my thought for, for Cherry, and I thought this last Tuesday. And again, I've, I've said my piece. Everyone's talked about it at their gatherings, or they've talked about it on the radio, or in their, in their workplaces by the water cooler. I think he can go on tour. I think he can go on tour and play, and kind of play venues similar, and I'll give you two examples where this has worked. Not for an 85-year-old man, but in this country, he... Uh, Conan O'Brien, right? He lost the Tonight Show, but then there was a non-compete clause, and he couldn't start at his new employer, TBS, for some time, so he couldn't go on TV. So he went, I know he came here, and he played Massey Hall. Or I'll give you another one that was slightly less successful and more chaotic. Bill Cosby? Well, I forgot that Bill Cosby well, I mean, toured amidst those allegations. I mean, you're talking about somebody minor You're not. You're, now, you better... Do, no, you, I'm not saying, uh, suggesting that Don Cherry's anywhere near the he's same He's not thing, slipping but, stuff in people's you drinks. you can't compare Don Cherry, though, to Conan O'Brien. I mean, Conan O'Brien didn't do anything. How, he didn't say anything controversial. But how about a middle ground? Charlie Sheen. Left two and a half men. He started to melt down. There was like a... There were famous... Twitter rampages. He was on Piers Morgan when Piers Morgan had a show. Yeah, but then he also and, went on tour. And as I recall, he sat on a chair while other people performed. It was terrible. Uh, right. And he sat there and he smoked and he drank and did just laughed about stuff. And people just sort of watched him while these other comedians or other performers were on stage. Okay, but but let's let's take Toronto just as an example right now. Don Cherry can, they announce, uh, Massey Hall's closed right now. That's too bad. Okay, you know that how the Sony Center is now, the Meridian Center. I've yeah. seen shows at Sony Center. That probably holds uh, 2,200, 2,500 with a balcony and all that in the mezzanine. Don Cherry live for an hour and a half. It's selling out at, at 40, 50 bucks a ticket. Easily is selling out every 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 seat right away. And, I- and it markets all across the country. Across yes. the country, for it's sure. happening. But I don't especially think, out west in Alberta, they I, love him. I don't think that's the question. Could he sell out uh, play? Of course he could. I mean, he has so many more supporters out there than than you would ever imagine. Uh, we we saw that this past week after he got fired, people were coming out of the woodwork saying, you know, as their supporters, people who just worship at the the altar of Don Cherry. The question is, should he? And no, he should not. Why not? I mean, just 
You're 85 years old. Um, you've 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 had a distinguished career. You got away with murder for years and years and years, saying the stuff that he no, said. No, now we're back to Bill Cosby. He is not he is not you known think, to have murdered you think, anyone. You it's think, an it's an unsu- it's a cold case. If Don Cherry has committed a murder, it's a cold case. But you think about what Don Cherry said years and years and years ago. Say about Europeans. He can't say that nowadays. But he isn't. He hasn't been saying that as often. But he has still been saying it, not as often, perhaps. But it was still controversial. I think he. But I think you. I think those tickets sell like crazy. I think you can go coast to coast, and it's a little less labor intensive. I'm always. I always marvel. I, I don't know how old your parents are. Mine are seventy five and seventy three. And when I see like that seventy four year old Bob Seeger's out there on the road, or the Stones, or Elton, Elton John. I know he's sitting at the piano half the time. And it's not like he's like Mick Jagger, like like Mick Jagger. Did he not have open heart surgery this year? And he still can go out there the and play day. two and a half hours. And he's next day kicking his leg night. in the air, and his arms are thrusting all over the place. And he's he's doing twenty eight songs. Don wouldn't have to do that. He no. can sit in a in a lazy boy chair and answer questions from whoever, whether it's his son or whoever wants to ask him the questions. He actually used to do that, if you recall. He used to have a show where he went around, and he's not able to host the show himself. I mean, he can't just go off and start talking. He needs somebody else. He needs somebody to lead him. To sort of through topics well, and stuff to be able to tell his stories, and you know, I used to, I used to like Don Cherry. I used to like listening to him on Hockey Night in Canada. But years ago, I tuned out. I got tired of his shtick. I just really did, and uh, and I think just you know, it's time to write off into the sunset. I you know, it's clear that people aren't don't agree with a lot of the things you believe and a lot of the things that know. that you well, that he it he split still up our nation last believe. week. We're just piecing yeah. it all back together like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, you know, right. What? So the question is. Would he get fans? Yeah, he yeah. could sell out arenas for sure. I, you know, personally, I just don't think he should. Mm. It's what, now. I'm I'm trying to think. You and I both went to uh, what was then University of Western Ontario. I'm not a fan of the name change where it's just called Western University now. That's not right. No, that ru- ain't right. It, it ruins all those old T-shirts that you refuse oh, to throw away, and that deploy and that uh, degree that I've yet to put on the wall uh, from 1995. <laughs> I earned that thing, man. Did you even frame it? It is framed. I think you get it framed. No, you don't get it framed. You gotta. You can pay at the school to have it framed. With the you get a special, deal. the special frame that you pay extra for. I mean, look where it's got me. I'm sitting across from you. And were you a political science major as well? No, it was English and French. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh God. Oh, the easy stuff. I learned okay. how to spell political science. But but uh, Ron McLean. Now that you mention it, came yeah. to the spoke on campus at Western, and 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 he was doing tours then. So you do a speaking tour, and I remember finding out, and I this is telling tales out of school before we get to our uh, our, our topic that we're going to get to, is uh, he he got three grand, and I just couldn't believe that at the time when you're a, like a starving student and you're getting mm-hmm. like eight fifty an hour at a record store, you're like, oh my god, three thousand dollars to go on stage and have a couple Coors lights and tell you and tell stories. The problem for Ron then as now, and I, I opened the show yesterday with this at noon, is Ron it's harder for Ron to do that now because almost all his stories involved Don. Mm-hmm. And now that there's sort of a, a like a split, right? Like if you can't you can't go out like if you're if you're Oates, you can't go out and tell a bunch of stories about Hall if Hall and Oates I'm not talking about Brett Hall and Adam Oates, yeah. I'm talking about Daryl and John. You can't tell a bunch of stories because the this looks like a bit of an ac- acrimonious fracture right now, at you, the very least. You know what? Ron McClain could go on tour easily and speak about anything. He, his stories aren't just about Don. That guy's knowledge is is insane. Uh, I don't know if you've ever met Ron McClain. I'm sure it's you unbelievable. Have. He's, he's, he remembers he's, names. He is the nicest man in the world, uh, and uh, he remembers everyone yes. and the stories that he remembers. I mean, he's encyclopedic knowledge out there. Just unbelievable. But the best stories are about Don. That's the struggle, isn't it? 
Well, I mean, some of those stories are still valid and, and you know, they don't always well, have to include, you know, some of the more controversial topics. But you can still talk about him. I mean, Don Cherry still exists. Mm. He was still a very important part of the fabric of our country in terms of our hockey viewership. Uh, it's just, you know, and you can't, for, you shouldn't forget the guy. You shouldn't ignore what he did for all those years. But just, you know, he's just not on mm. air right now. Christopher, by the way, on uh, on email, you can uh, reach the show, Brady at 640toronto.com. Your Twitter handle is? At TV. Okay, and mine is? i to change that. It's got to be better. No, it's easy. And Drolet is spelled D-R-O-L-E-T, yeah. right? Not a bunch of E's at the end. It's the <laughs> the T is silent, basically. It's right? like I, I always say uh, at, Chevrolet. My wife hates it when I say this, but Chevrolet. It's like Chevrolet. That's without, right. It without, is. Without, with a D. It's not Chevrolet. No, no one no, calls no. it that. Although I moved to Quebec, and the fir- and I was like, finally, so everybody's going to be able to pronounce my name. And uh, and the first thing, oh yeah, you're uh, Monsieur Drolet. I was like, no, oh, it's Drolet. They're like, no, 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 Monsieur. Ici on on dit Drolet. And I, you're kidding me. We say no. That's not. Good. That, then, that doesn't work. And I actually parked my car on Rue Drolet. Which is great. Amazing. Um, I'm at Greg Brady TO. That's a little uh, simpler. Uh, yeah. But uh, Christopher weighs in at Brady at 640Toronto.com and says, I won't pay to go see, I won't pay the money that you mentioned to see Don Cherry go speak hockey. But since you referenced it, I will go see him sing Bob Seger and Elton John songs. <laughs> see, I don't think you can combine the two principles. You're not going to see Don Cherry up there covering Hollywood Nights. And, uh, and I'm still standing. Because he is. Well, he is still standing. I, right, at 85. He's, he's 11 years older than Bob Seger. I just think a cross-country tour, maybe can play some. How Bare Naked Ladies could sort of play the Detroit and Buffalo markets a lot in the States, but they couldn't really go deep into the Midwest. And yet the southern states and Don would get on well. I just, you know. You know, maybe the podcast is the perfect place for him. It might because be. Because it's not going to be live. I mean, if anything, if he says anything controversial, they can always edit it out. But they don't uh, for, have for, to, as it they is. Don't, they, don't, they don't have right? to because it's a podcast. But you know, they could possibly mm. do that to you know, save his reputation a little bit more. I mean, mm. he he says stuff off the cuff. He says what he believes, and you know, and this isn't taking anything away uh, anything away from Don Cherry. If you've met him again, the nicest man in the world. He and Don Ch- and Ron McLean, nicest people you ever meet them. Yeah, they are. Um, it's pretty remarkable how it's all. I, I still can't believe what the past ten days have brought. We have a lot to do today. We're going to talk yeah. to uh, Kate Graham, Liberal Party leadership candidate uh, out of London, Ontario, in our next segment. Coming up as well, these words don't go together. If you're um, an automaker, if you're into cars, if you're into the uh, you know the, the, the big fast mm-hmm. cars, the sports cars, electric Ford Mustang. But last night, the electric Ford Mustang was indeed unveiled. So they don't sound right together. We'll wedge that in uh, before we talk to Kate Graham and talk about whether, and I put a poll up on Twitter, Greg Brady TO, as to whether your next car, you're planning on your next car being an electric one or not. And I think the numbers are a touch surprising. Mike Drolet from uh, Global National is in with myself. I'm Greg Brady. We're in for Jeff MacArthur today. You're listening to Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. All right, Greg Brady, Mike Drolet, both in for Jeff MacArthur until 3 o'clock today. So we mentioned this car. It's a new electric Ford Mustang, and uh, they got a pretty famous name. This guy is, there's two major endorsements this guy has right now. It's the electric Ford Mustang, and it's also Viagra. And and again, (laughs) given the midlife crisis point where some people buy a Ford Mustang, Mike, this could be, you could do two-for-one shopping, really, with Idris Elba Elba and Idris Elba endorsed products, I figure. I'm not saying you specifically. 
I did not know he he endorses Viagra. He's a big Viagra guy. If that if I can use that phrase, I don't know if I would use that phrase. I I got to take it back. Let's I, re-edit I this really, for the podcast. Hey, what about that delay? Well, let, Is that in there? It, let's hear the <laughs> let's hear the Idris Elba push uh, to promoting uh, the big glitzy event le- yesterday in Los Angeles for the uh, electric Mustang. And just when you think you know where they're going, they do something. Unexpected. Something that moves us all forward and holds nothing back. The all-electric Mustang Mark E. The newest member of the family. He sounds great. First of all, like I we're almost sort of been there, done that with like Morgan Freeman and, yeah. and Alec Baldwin. And who's the uh Sam Elliott, right? The mm-hmm. rough guy with the he does the trucks. I think he he may do Ford. I can't remember or GM, but he but does. you he know does, when he does the trucks. He yeah, does trucks. It's almost like the, like I mentioned Bob Seger earlier. Like when you'd hear the like a rock song, you'd be like, okay, I got it. You've used this song for twelve years to sell your your trucks, and Bob Seger's just sitting on a mountain of money because of this. But he makes it sound fascinating, Mike. Some of the details. Uh, you can go up to three hundred seventy miles on a full charge, fifty seven miles. Kilometers is. <laughs> Come on, do the, the conversion. 600? Uh, about that, yeah. Right. Which is roughly what the Teslas are now, the, um, the high-end Teslas. It'll give you 57 miles of range in, in 10 minutes. Now, this people have to be practical about this. A, because of the uh, environmental issues. B, what you'd save on gas. Like, mm-hmm. many electric cars will promise about, depending on your commute, and we're talking to people in Toronto, mm-hmm. you could be talking eleven, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 a year you might be spending on gas. And especially if you take a big summer trip. Like, I, I went out east with my family in the summer of 18, out to Nova Scotia, and, like, yeah, you're doing 30, 32 hours total of driving in, in six days. That's a lot of gas tanks. It is a lot of gas tanks. and But, I mean, that's one of the, the blind spots for the electric vehicles. If you are taking on very long trips, you have to make sure that there's a whole bunch of charging stations along the way. And if you have one of the super fast charging stations, you can actually charge stuff like 10, 15 minutes of your car. But there's not a ton of those out no. there, and it's so there's still it's still growing. I mean, the number of cars, uh, electric vehicles, is only two percent of the market, but that's growing. Is this going to change it? I doubt it because the Ford Mustang is going to be price price point is going to be super high. It's not going to be affordable for most people. They're still at ninety one percent of global car sales have vehicles with an internal combustion engine. Yeah, and so, they say by twenty forty that it's going to be about thirty percent of all cars will be combustion engines by twenty forty. So get just in like the next twenty years, those will probably just be classics. But the and, co- for, and, and smaller cars that people can't afford. Although yeah. the electric prices are coming down, they're coming down. And but but again, I, I think our province specifically wiped out a tax incentive to buy them yeah. that that did exist a few years ago. It's sort of like the, the 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 home the green credit for your home if you want to do home repairs, solar panels. Like there has to be a massive incentive for this. What I think is it's where it's going to go the other way is. The bigger, the more gas your car guzzles, the more they're going to tax that purchase. That's what's going to like these big Ford F one fifties. I'm sore. I look at them and I, I always think this now. And I have an SUV too. I have a Hyundai Santa Fe, and I think to myself, <laughs> it's, it's not a hybrid. We really looked hard when we shopped for a bigger car because uh, we thought we'll have one big run at this where we need like seven seats to get kids everywhere. But then we won't. And then maybe we can go electric. Um, but we, we look, I'm I'm a hypocrite if I'm calling out other people for doing it because I had a chance a year and a half ago and I didn't see something that fit our family's needs. I think we're in that sweet spot, that sweet spot where in terms of consumerism, where you think, OK, I'm gonna, if I'm in the market to buy a new car, am I going to buy the combustion engine car? Because am I going to be able to sell that again? 
Am I going to be really getting yeah. some value out of that if I sell it, or am I going to go switch over to the electric cars, which might not have the range I need and might cost a little bit more? They do cost more at the outset, for sure. But you, I, you hope you see to, those savings with maintenance and gas. You, you right? do. And oil changes. You don't have the oil changes. It yeah. needs uh, about 80% fewer parts uh, because mm. it doesn't have that, you know, the, the combustion engine. And then they're also talking about how uh, this could impact the job market as well. Yeah. Because you're not going to have as many auto workers, which means you're not going to have as many gas stations, you're not going to have as, as many suppliers. So it's going to hurt. But is that any reason to, to go away from it? No, because we ha this is the way it's going. It has to move forward. We to. have to start. We have to start making changes. It, yeah. it might be painful at times. I'm a we bit, have to do it. And I'm I'm stopping 80% of the time just for snacks, 20% of the time for fuel. I'm a big snack guy. Those, those like stops on the four. Yeah. Snacks, 90%. Uh, the poll question I put out there, um, if you're a car buyer, do you want to buy an electric one in the next decade? At Greg Brady TO right now, 68% of uh, over 400 votes say I want to go electric. 32% say they do not. I would go electric if I could. Absolutely. I uh, mean, next car, I, I'm pretty sure that's the way. I'm going to take a hard, hard look at it. Yeah. I mean, if if uh, we keep co-hosting shows, a sponsorship is not out of the question. Uh, but it's early days, uh, certainly, for that. It's early days for the Ontario Liberal leadership, but not for our next guest. She was on stage yesterday as part of one of the first debates for the early 2020 uh, leadership convention and, of course, the next provincial election in 2022. We go to uh, we go to Kate Graham, who's a uh, one of four candidates that were on stage yesterday from London, Ontario. Kate, it's great to have you on. This is Greg Brady, Mike Drolet. Thanks for making the time to do this. Hey, Greg. Thanks so much for having me here. How did now both uh, Mike and I know London really well? You are a known Londoner. This is a very important question, and this may determine <laughs> some voting. Where did you go to high school in London, Ontario? <laughs> I went to AB Lucas High School, oh. uh, but I also I grew up in Exeter, a town about half an oh, hour yeah. outside of London, and went to South Huron District High School for my the first couple e years. Of Exeter that. South Huron always had great athletes. When when I played for Elderton, yeah. we always lost hockey games to Exeter, and my dad taught history and <laughs> economics at AB Lucas. So you oh, right away good. you're in the driver's seat to me. Hey, Tough kids great. in Exeter for sure. Uh, I was not one of those great athletes. I was more of a student council band kid. <laughs> so you were uh, you were on stage yesterday at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Our friend Steve Pakin was the uh, was the MC. Yes. How many of these leadership uh, it was deemed a leadership discussion as opposed to a debate? How many of these will we see, um, and how diverse a geographic span do we see across the province through the rest of 2019 and into 2020? How many of these will get scheduled? Uh, I think there are eight, uh, if I'm not mistaken, on the books right now, and each of them has a bit of a different flavor. Uh, the next one coming up is a rural debate that will be held in Guelph. Uh, there's one up north, there's one in Ottawa, a couple in Toronto on various topics, uh, one on gender and social inclusion. So, yeah, it'll be lots of opportunities for people who are interested in checking out the candidates for the next Liberal leader to hear what we've got to say. How essential is it to get the right leader? I mean, we saw with the, the federal election that just happened where the Conservatives, and obviously with Andrew Scheer, didn't win. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, some people came out and said, you know, they, they missed shooting on an open net because, um, you know, Trudeau was, uh, was vulnerable at the time. Well, I mean, you could argue that uh, Doug Ford is going to be vulnerable with uh, how controversial he has been in the past. How important is it to, for the Liberal Party of Ontario to get it right and get the right person in place? Uh, I think it's really important, but it's it's also about more than just who the leader is. So, you know, it's well known the Liberal Party had the worst defeat in its history in 2018. And we've got a very big job to do to rebuild and earn back people's trust. So, yes, who the leader is is important. Um, but it's also important to show that we learned something from the election 
that we heard the message and, uh, and have made changes based on the things that people very clearly articulated to us that they want to see change. So striking that right tone and having a leader who reflects the things that we know matter to people, uh, I think is paramount to our success. And for people who want to see a change in the direction of the province, it is an absolutely critical process to get involved with. You know, voters can have short memories, but I mean, you mentioned that you've hopefully you've learned the Liberal Party's learned its lesson from its past mistakes. And and during that last election cycle, I mean, it was it wasn't very it wasn't pretty for the Liberals, obviously. Uh, is there going to be enough time, do you think, between the last election and the next one for voters to get over some of the things that follow the Liberals around? What with, you know, the, the gas plants and, uh, uh, you know, the electric uh, bill prices is there going to be enough uh, to, uh, space and time for voters to really come back to the Liberal Party? Uh, absolutely, yeah. And we actually saw a pretty significant bump in the polls almost immediately after the election. You know, no government is perfect. Uh, a lot of things go well, and then some things don't. And there are a lot of really, really good things that the Liberal Party did in this province. Uh, full-day kindergarten, um, eliminating the coal plants, increasing minimum wage. All of those things are broadly recognized to be steps in the right direction. And there were a lot of things during the last election campaign that I think people really responded well to as well. Uh, Child care, uh, more investments in mental health. But there were, um, there were concerns about whether or not the party was uh, listening, whether the party was in touch. Sometimes when a party's been in power for 15 years, there is a sense that, you know, power can be pretty concentrated in the middle. So we have a chance to hear that message and show that the party has changed and that for anyone who has an interest in making some change in the province of Ontario, getting involved in the party is an amazing opportunity to do so. Kate Graham is our guest. She's running for the Liberal leadership. We'll uh, talk a little bit before uh, before you go about the deadline that's coming up to vote in this particular um, in this particular structure. I'd ask you about education. It's obviously a hot button topic right now. There are teachers federations. It feels like every day voting 96, 97, 98 percent to go on strike. What do you hear from uh, the potential electorate? What do you hear from teachers themselves who some of whom may have voted for this conservative government and some of whom may be maybe having some some buyer's remorse because careers and pay and pensions and and as importantly the education that our kids are getting is is very much on the line these next couple years yeah exactly well you mentioned that you had a parent who is a teacher yeah Uh, my parents were both teachers i remember seeing them on the picket line when i was a kid Um, you can talk to teachers all across the province and you'll quickly find that education generally is a sector that's feeling very much under threat right now And to me, that could not be more short-sighted. You know, we're heading into a time where we will have more people who are retired than uh, in the workforce, where we've got big changes happening in terms of the nature of work, uh, in terms of our economy. Uh, Education is so important, not only today, but also preparing for the future. So, um, yeah, I I think uh, teachers and the education sector generally are pretty motivated and will be very mobilized in this leadership race. At least I hope so. Uh, Mike Dorlay here. If uh, if you do get into into the leadership position, how are you going to try to sell that to, I guess, to the public? I mean, none of these things are free. They cost a lot of money to be able to put together. How do you how do you pay for all of these things that you want to do? I don't think anybody can question the fact that uh, that education system, the education system, is in dire need of an influx of cash. Where are you going to find it? Yeah, well, one of the things that was really important to me in this campaign was as we are rolling out policy ideas that we are honest with people about the cost 
and how we will pay for them. So if you check out any part of our platform, you will see that we include the cost and a sense of where the money would come from. Uh, Mike Moffitt, who is an economist, he's the one who's leading my policy team. And I think heading into the next election, you know, people felt like there were a lot of big ideas coming forward, pharmacare, childcare, tuition, uh, but not a clear sense of what that looked like in terms of the impact on the province's books. Um, it's not that complicated. Um, I think we need to be able to articulate clearly, here are the things that we would like to do, and here's what this looks like from a fiscal perspective. Uh, we're speaking with Kate Graham, who's running for the leader, literal, uh, Liberal Leadership of Ontario. Um, you're not an MPP, you've never been elected before, uh, but you know there's only seven uh, elected Liberal MPPs right now. Uh, is it harder, it's obviously harder to win the leadership when you are not in a seat. How are you going to do that? Uh, my experience comes outside Queen's Park, and in this particular moment, I actually think that's a real benefit. Um, this is very different than the last time the Liberals picked a leader, the last time the person became the Premier. Uh, this time, it is taking on a party that has lost official party status and has a big rebuild to do. And so I think having experience that is outside Queen's Park and very focused on the kind of changes that we want to see in politics, in our party, and in our province uh, is a real benefit to me. December 2nd is the deadline to join the Liberal Party to vote for one of the contenders. We've been speaking to one of the contenders, uh, Kate Graham, uh, joining us today on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Thanks for the time, Kate. We appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks so much. Uh, we will come back uh, and go across the Atlantic. Paul Waldy is the Globe and Mail correspondent in London, England. Ah, and Mike and I have some questions. Prince Andrew, it won't go away. They used to call him Randy Andy in the 80s. That was funny. It's a little uh, less funny what he's... Well, I don't know. That's I, not funny Randy, anymore. I mean, anybody, if, if you had a roommate named Randy Andy, it, but that's different and things have changed and for the better. And he's accused of a lot more than just having lots of girlfriends. Far from it. These are... Very, very weighty accusations uh, about Prince Andrew. And let's not forget uh, Great Britain having an election in under three weeks. What's the atmosphere like there? We go across to talk to Paul uh, after this. It's Greg Brady, Mike Drolet, and for Jeff MacArthur, this is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. All right, top of the hour, we'll uh, give you the very latest on the Trump impeachment hearings. Greg Brady, Mike Drolay, and for Jeff MacArthur, which seemed to be happening every other day. I really thought, I, I know there was a first day, uh, and then they had a day off, and then they had the, the ambassador to Ukraine. She was, like, she was amazing. She was, they gave her a standing ovation at the end. And then nothing on Monday. It's a very, like, can't, can't Trump watch every day? Are they trying to make it? Can you only watch on Tuesdays and Thursdays? I think it's because it's so shocking and it's so uh, remarkable that what's coming out, that they have to give people time to recover. It has to be something like that. Can you believe they said but that? Oh, my. Imagine the OJ trial, though, taking days off. Like, yeah, we, we just couldn't no. get enough of that in 1995, 96. We needed that on television every damn day. That that canceled a lot of soap operas, to be perfectly honest. It's it was bit, a soap opera. It was a soap opera starring Judge Lance Ito. Like, mm-hmm. we'll never forget. Uh, there is uh, a general election. Coming. If you've heard this, stop me if you think you've heard this before, to quote uh, Morrissey and Johnny Marr. The 2019 UK general election is December 12th, but taking some headlines away is an interview Prince Andrew, younger brother of Prince Charles, did about his decision to, well, remain friends with a convicted sex offender, the now deceased Jeffrey Epstein. Here's how some of it went. On Saturday, he sat down with the BBC's Emily Maitlis. It went badly. Do I regret the fact that, that, that he has quite obviously conducted himself in a manner unbecoming? Yes. 
Unbecoming. He was a sex offender. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm being polite um, in the sense that Don't he was a sex polite. offender. So there you have it. It uh, it wasn't any better before, any better during, or any better after that particular uh, that particular quote. Let's go across to uh, the UK and Paul Waldy, who's uh, the excellent Globe and Mail correspondent for yes, the Globe and Mail. Paul, it's a pleasure to talk to you. How are you this evening? For you. Oh, we just lost Paul on the line, so we'll get back to him uh, in just a sec. Yeah, conversely, as mentioned, a 2019 election uh, goes December 12th, 650 seats in the House of Commons up for grabs. Mike, they had a general election in June 2017, which obviously followed the Brexit vote of July 2016, so they've been busy. Well, I'm curious what Paul's going to say about how people are feeling over there, because they have to be just exhausted with elections. Uh, you know, the, one of the reasons we got to Brexit in the first place was because, you know, the people of Britain were so fed up with the politicians that they had. They were, they were the politics, uh, the politicians themselves. They didn't be- trust them. They didn't believe in them anymore. And then the pro-Brexit people came in and took advantage of that. And then they ended up getting the vote to, to well, leave. And if you told people in the summer of 2016, you know how there's those long shot, uh, those long shot candidates for president. Like you could, you could go somewhere and put 500 to one on George Clooney being the Democratic. <laughs> That's almost what Boris Johnson was. If you told people Boris Johnson, former mayor of London, in the summer of 2016 would become prime minister within 24 months. They would not have believed it, though he was very uh, influential, is a way to put it, I think, for the uh, for the Leave side in uh, Leave versus Remain. We've got Paul Waldy from the Globe and Mail now. It's a pleasure having you on. We always enjoy your work. Thanks for making the time. Sure, no problem. Hi there. Tell us how much this Prince Andrew interview and the subsequent fallout from it has taken away, uh, Paul, from some of the headlines in uh, the UK papers and certainly the tabloids, because the tabloids are a little bit different from The Examiner or The Guardian, where uh, salaciousness kind of hits the back page as opposed to the front page. But people are still talking about this interview Saturday, aren't they? Oh, for sure it is. It's one of the few things that have managed to knock not only the election but Brexit off the main uh, newspaper front pages and then the television broadcast. It's been, it's still talked about. There's a lot of fallout from it, obviously. And businesses are now rethinking associations with Prince Andrew. Charities are rethinking their associations with him, as are some of the universities that he's involved in. So, you know, the fallout's really continued, and just about everybody has uh, unanimously condemned this interview and said it, it, it was it was pretty bad and. Really didn't show any sympathy or empathy for any of the victims in the Epstein case, and of course, some of them now are coming forward as well and saying it's it's time for him to come forward and, and participate in the police investigation. It's still ongoing in that case. Uh, Paul, it's uh, Mike Drolet here. For those who haven't, uh, who didn't see the interview on the weekend, uh, you know, he said that he didn't regret being friends with Epstein. Uh, he met up with Epstein's ex-girlfriend uh, last year, uh, and then amazingly, he said that when he put an end to the friendship in 2010, he had to go fly to New York to to do it in person because he said it was to show leadership. And then he stayed at his house for four days. Uh, have you ever seen an interview go this poorly in your years and years as a journalist where you'd think that they would have a PR person, somebody who, who understands situations like this, and he obviously he had some lead-up. He understood what was coming, the questions that were coming, uh, and they had to have prepped him for this, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, he's been months looking forward to do this. Uh, he, as you said at the beginning of the interview, that it was as much as six months that he was thinking about whether or not to do this interview. And there's been stories suggesting that some of his PR advisors, or his senior PR advisor, quit um, because he was doing this. There was a, obviously quite a, a rift in his staff household about whether he should do this or not. He bullied Ed. He really clearly wanted to do this. He thought it would clear his name. 
I think it's just a, a reflection of, of him and, and the bubble that he lives in, that he really thought that this this interview, and he, he told the BBC it could be no holds bar, they could ask anything they wanted, well, this could be a softball interview. So he went into this thinking he was going to come out of it clearing the air and, and rehabilitating his reputation, and it couldn't have gone more in the opposite direction. And uh, mm. it's really hard to understand. I, I, I guess I just suspect that over years and years and years, he's really convinced himself of all of this stuff and tried to present his side in a way that he thought would work, but just fell horrible flat. And, and this Paul Paul Waldy's joining us from the Globe and Mail on uh, Global News Radio six forty Toronto. He's always had the reputation as a partier and a playboy. His his wife Sarah Ferguson accused him of having twenty seven mit- mistresses in a five and a half year marriage, and those are the ones she knew about. Mm. So everybody's marriage tends to be their business, but their own business. Not when you're a royal, but this is by far. I mean, George Clooney, Derek Jeter, plenty of rock stars, actors, athletes. They'll live a, a healthy single life. Let's put it that that way. But this has gone beyond like just being a joke into something unbelievably serious. The association with Epstein. Well, exactly, and of course that that's the whole problem with the, with his interviews. He tried to present himself as saying, you know, well, I don't I don't hug people in public, and of course there's thousands of photographs of him doing nothing but hugging people in public, and he was saying how he when he's out in thousands of pictures that have been in shirts shirt sleeves. Um, this is something that he has this uh, adrenaline affliction that means he can't sleep. And of course, immediately there are multiple pictures produced that showing him sweating profusely at one of the victim's claim. So you know, the whole thing was just bizarrely constructed and his defense and his rationale and his explanations just completely were you know, really unbelievable. And um, it, 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 the fallout is continuing, as you mentioned, and he, I don't know how he comes back from this. Now, he has not been the most popular royal. The media has never really taken a shine to him. So I think in some respects, some of the coverage we're seeing is a bit of that as well, that this isn't a royal that they like anyway, so there's a bit of, bit yeah. of piling on, I think. But unless mm-hmm. he has not done himself any favors at all with this interview. Now, one of the more interesting revelations, the stunning ones, was that, I mean, he said that, you know, he he doesn't remember ever meeting her, and then uh, one of these uh, people who, one of Epstein's accusers, and yet there was a picture of him with his arm around her. Uh, and then he, when she actually said, and you, you mentioned this, how, uh, you know, he was uh, sweating all over on the dance floor, but he couldn't sweat because he'd been shot at in, during the Falklands War, and he had an overdose of adrenaline, so he was no longer able to sweat. Um, you you mentioned this. You, you talked about how can he recover from this. So, I mean, honestly, can he recover from this? This is uh, he's got to be the most toxic royal out there right now. He, he is, and I think he's never been again the most popular one anyway. And he's been pretty distant from a lot of public events that Central Family does. However, his dozens and dozens of do really good work and and you know obviously that that are trying to you know use his name to leverage his name for for some kind of good that they do so all of those organizations are, are really put into jeopardy now and they, and they were anyway because of this association with epstein has been going on for you know the guy was first charged went to jail in 2009 andrew the pictures of him in 2010 the summer of course with more charges and then when epstein in prison uh, uh, we're struggling with the line here. Um, yeah, uh, Paul, no, no, that's okay. We've got about 45 seconds. I do want to ask you about the election. Give me 45 seconds. Do you feel the electorate is invigorated or exhausted or somewhere in between with the choices they face on uh, December the 12th? I would say they're bored right now. It's still early. Uh, there's a big debate tonight. <laughs> bored. 
waiting for it, and um, that might kickstart it. But for now, it's it's been pretty dull. There's been nothing very exciting, but there's still almost a month to go. And given what happened in 2017, this thing could really take off in a whole bunch of different directions. So I don't think it's really started yet, but <clears throat> so far it's, it's not been the most exciting campaign, that's for sure. Yeah, this is the second debate, and there's a ton more to come leading all the way up till uh, December 12th. Paul, thanks for making the time. We'll keep reading in the Globe and Mail. Appreciate it. Thank you, Paul. Sure, no problem. Paul, Paul Waldy, the London correspondent uh, for the. That just sounds great, doesn't it? It's not. There's other places. If you put the city, it's a different city. It doesn't sound as glamorous as London correspondent. No, like, it, it does not. And you know, get back to just the election briefly. The yeah. uh, what's amazing is that you know one of the reasons that they a lot of people voted to get out was they thought they would it would make them richer. Think about how much money. They have lost over the last three years, as this has just been mired That's in, right. in, in the electoral process. The number of elections they've had, uh, the, the lost uh, reputation, the lost business. Because how many companies are really wanting to do business right now with with England? I, I think mean, I would say I think it's been good for TV news, though. You, you always <laughs> like an election cycle and or the or a Brexit vote, something to bring the uh, the eyeballs. And they're not quite bored yet, based on some of the television numbers. On our way back, an animal attack that that seems a little outer-worldly, but there's probably a good reason why it happened to this particular woman. That's next. Greg Brady, Mike Durelay, and for Jeff MacArthur today on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. All right, let me preface this by saying this brief uh, two-and-a-half-minute story, Mike, is not funny. (laughs) But you... Okay, uh, it's not. Um, no, it's not funny but, at all. But if we've if we've ever felt threatened by an animal, this is an odd one. I'll read some of the some of the the gist of it. A woman in Australia needed twenty five stitches to her face. That's a lot. If you've had three or four stitches, multiply that times six or seven. She almost lost an eye. She was mauled by a mm-hmm. kangaroo while walking her dog. But here's why this happened. Naturally, this happened in Australia. This wasn't in uh, Iowa. Um, in the state of Victoria, a woman let her pet dog off its leash. And the dog began chasing a large male kangaroo. That's your first problem. Don't let your pet dog off the leash to just have a little, like, get a little cardio built up to chase a kangaroo. Because the kangaroo will feel its life is in danger. And when we all feel our life is in danger, we may react with sudden adrenaline and viciousness that we didn't know we had in, in the interior of us before. It's never funny when somebody is injured to that extent. Absolutely not. Uh, but you can learn from it. You can actually you look at it and you can and you could say, "Wow, that's the dumbest thing you could do." When are people going to start learning that you can't put your nose into a wild animal's face? I mean, even dogs. I mean, the reason we can't put our have our dogs in the Home Depot is because in 2011, uh, a Home Depot worker put her nose directly in front of a small little dog, and the dog bit off part of her nose. And then the next week, Home Depot put a ban on all animals. So I had my dog in the Home Depot. He's a harmless dog, and yet they said you can't it have would him never, in here. But I would never, it would never occur to me that you could bring your dog into Home Depot, and I'm not a dog owner. Ah, it's, it's wood. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's... But it has a roof. Center. It's a garden there's center. There's nowhere it's to a, go to the... Ba- it's not a... But there's no bathroom. You can bring your dog to Canadian Tire. You can bring you can, your dog into places. Can you really? Even just the... I think oh, the yeah. garden center part. No, you, the you whole can thing. Do, I did not know that. I th- I just figure if roof is is not okay for dogs. Yeah, but you know what? In terms of and like non-roof this... non-roof is. In terms of people getting into uh, altercations with animals, we see it all the time. And it's... 
people just won't learn. I mean, there was that case just, I think, about a month ago down in Louisiana. I told you about how a woman had her dog get loose. She wanted to get a picture of dog with a, a camel at a rest stop. The dog got in, and somehow uh, the, the camel started attacking the dog. She went in to of rescue the dog. Of course it did. The dog sat <laughs> on okay. the woman. The dog sat on the woman. The camel did. The camel did, yeah. sorry. The camel sat on the yeah, woman, that's... and she had to bite the camel in the privates to be able to get the camel to jump up. Amazing. And you go, well, how does that happen? How does it happen? It happens because people do dumb things. And camels and don't move understand. slow. So, so once it's no, sat on faster you, than you might think. I don't believe that. Really? Yeah, I think a camel, camel sits run? on you. It's going to take forever to get up. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's for sure. It that's... Well, if you bite it in the right spot, it'll get up quickly. The, uh, the woman says her quote. Now, she, this is great because I'm a huge believer in accountability. She does say it was absolutely not the kangaroo's fault. She, her quote, if anything were encroaching on their ecology, I could sense its panic. I really felt for him, the poor thing, because she let her damn dog off the leash to go chase it. And, and, and raise its blood pressure. And it's why we and come cholesterol. up with words like Darwinism. It really is. Yeah. Uh, two o'clock uh, news on the way. We'll have some impeachment stuff to react to. A new poll that may make you think Americans can be swayed. That they aren't all on one side of Trump or anti-Trump. Even at this late juncture uh, in this impeachment process. And in President Trump's first terms. Coming up next, Greg Brady, Mike Drolay, and for Jeff MacArthur. He'll return tomorrow at 1 o'clock. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.